Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Music Tech 2 podcast. My, I am your host. My name is Patrick Minerly, and I'm going to introduce my co-hosts now. Uh, first up is Katie Fritz. Hi, I'm Katie Fritz. I'm Alexis, and I'm a freshman, so... Yeah, we'll just go around and, uh, and say, kind of, so Alexis is a freshman. Uh, I am a junior at Torrington High School, and Katie? Yep, uh, I am a senior here, and I'm so excited to be here today. Yeah, and today we have a very special guest on this podcast. You may have heard of him. It's uh, the season one winner of The Voice, Javier Colon. How you doing, Patrick? Good. How are you today, Javier? I could not be better. I'm very excited to be with you and excited to get to chat for a little bit. That's great. All right. So the, the first question I wanted to ask uh, quickly here is I wanted to know what kind of musical influences you had, like kind of growing up. That's always an interesting question to me. Absolutely. Uh, it's a great question. Uh, it's a great place to start. So um, I grew up in Stratford, Connecticut, and my my father was a um, he was a radio DJ for a long time, and then he ended up owning a small Spanish radio station in Bridgeport. My father was from the Dominican Republic, and my mom was from um, Puerto Rico. And uh, so I grew up listening to the radio like I didn't have a choice. <laughs> the radio was on uh, constantly. So, uh, when I woke up in the morning, my parents were already up and the radio was playing cause my dad wanted to hear what was going on at the radio station. Um, when I came home from work, my dad was still at the radio station. My mom wanted to hear my dad on the station. So she would always be listening. Uh, the radio would only basically turn off, you know, kind of at, at night when everybody, you know, finally got home. Um, so my influences started, you know, in, in Latin music, it started, with uh, the ones that I remember that that I really gravitated towards were um, were the like the Latin crooners like uh, um, like Julio Iglesias and and this a guy named Camilo Sesto, um, uh, you know folks folks like that. Uh, um, Jose Feliciano was another one who who uh, it was amazing. Plays he's from Connecticut as well. Played guitar and and sang beautifully and and uh, those those were the 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 artists that I I would kind of imitate um you know at first um I have uh, an older brother and older sister and uh, they were listening to all different kinds of of music um my brother was listening more to like early hip hop and R&B uh my sister was listening to the other side she was listening to like more heavy metal and rock music um, so I really got like this big, you know, a, a wide spectrum of, of, uh, uh, of, of music, uh, to, to listen to and to, you know, kind of be influenced by, um, as I, as I was growing up, my first songs that I started playing on the guitar, I started playing guitar when I was seven. Um, and then I would kind of take lessons and stop taking lessons and then take lessons again and stop taking lessons. My mom would take me out of lessons when I would stop practicing. So if I wasn't practicing, then I wasn't, she wasn't going to pay for lessons, which as a parent now, I totally, totally understand. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I, you know, the first songs I really started playing were songs, were, were like rock songs, were, were like songs, you know, by, you know, bands like, <laughs> like Poison and, and, um, uh, gosh, actually I, I did play some, um, some, uh, some oldies stuff too. Cause my mom loved the oldies stuff. So I would play some, some Richie Valens and, 
like the coasters and the platters and like some older older stuff but um but yeah it was a lot of rock music kind of starting out playing some metallica <laughs> um uh you know things like that skid row like all, all kinds of uh, uh different rock songs to to kind of get to get started and then from there i i branched out into uh a lot more old school r&b uh like stevie wonder donny hathaway uh, I also branched the other direction to more towards, uh, um, towards on the on the folk side, like Joni Mitchell and and uh, and James Taylor. Uh, those are uh, some of some of my my big influences as well. So it's kind of all over the place, to be honest. So you grew up all surrounded by all this uh, music and these amazing musicians. So at what age did you realize you're like, man, music is my thing. This is what I want to do for a career. You know, I didn't know. Um, I didn't know that this was what I wanted to really do. I was really shy as a kid. So my mom, uh, my mom would hear me singing it at the house and she'd want me to like do different, do, you know, some singing outside of the house. She wanted me to like go and perform at, you know, um, little talent shows and things, you know, throughout town. I grew up in Stratford and I was like, absolutely not. I do not want to go and you know, put myself out there and sing in front of anybody. Um, but she was like, okay, I'll give you $5 if you, if you go. And I said, okay, where do I have to go? So she bribed me to, into performing the first couple times. And then when I got into high school, um, first day of high school, uh, I, uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, first day of middle school, I was in seventh grade and, um, I'm singing. I signed up for choir classes. I was in a brand new school. I had just come in from a from a Catholic school. This is my first. I'm the first in my family to go to a to a public school at all for for seventh you know seventh grade. And first day of school, and I'm singing in choir class. And the teacher asked me to stay back afterwards. And she says, "You have a really beautiful voice. Do you do you sing?" you know, at home, like, you know, tell me about you. And I said, well, I, I play the guitar and I've been singing songs and on the radio and stuff. And she said, can you bring your guitar in the next day? And I said, sure. So I brought my guitar in the next day and, um, I went to shoot, I went to see her before homeroom. Like she asked me to, and I played her a song and she said that, uh, that was amazing. It was, it was a song by a band called Warrant, uh, called Heaven. And she said, that was amazing. I'm going to give you a pass and you're going to come back at the end of the day and you're going to sing that song for the eighth grade girls choir class. They're going to love it. Now, I'm in seventh grade. And as soon as she said eighth grade, she completely horrified me. <laughs> and I said, I'd like physically got ill. And I was like, there is no way I can sing in front of like anybody, let alone, you know, the eighth grade girls class. I mean, as a, as a, as a seventh grade boy, the thing you're like, you're, you're most fear, <laughs> you're the, the, the people you fear most are the eighth grade girls. So I was like, there's no, there's no way. So, um, I literally, I went to the nurse's office and I tried to go home, uh, to get sent home. And, uh, Miss Spad was her name, Mrs. Spadicino. Um, she happened to walk by while I was in the nurse's office and while the nurse was on the phone with my mom and she, she said, what are you doing? And I said, I don't feel, I don't feel good. <laughs> and she said, uh, oh no, 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 no. Um, and she said, can I, can I talk to his mom? And the nurse handed, handed her the phone. She said, hi, Mrs. Cologne. My name is Miss Fettuccino. I asked your son to do some singing for me this afternoon, and I think he's a little nervous. Um, you don't need to come and pick him up. He's going to be fine. And uh, she made me sing that afternoon in front of the girls' uh, choir class, and, then, um, I, and it went well. And from that day on, I, I was kind of known as the new kid that, that sang. 
And, um, and that was really the beginning. Uh, so that was a long answer to your question, but by the end of seventh grade with Miss Spad, like pushing me to perform every chance that, uh, that she could, um, that's, that's when I knew I was like, this is, this is what I want to do. So it was the end of seventh grade, early eighth grade. I was like, I was all in. Okay. So, um, do you feel that like doing everything that you were involved in with like music has helped you feel like more confident and like be able to communicate with people a little better? Um, 100%. I mean, uh, as far as the, the confidence factor, um, you know, I, I would not, I promise you, I would not be here had it not been for my mom pushing me and had it not been for Miss Bad, um, kind of <laughs> forcing me to perform in, in front of folks. Um, I was deathly afraid of performing in front of, uh, of people. And the more I did it, um, and the more that I realized that people seemed to like it and that I wasn't going to be laughed at or, or ridiculed um, or, you know, standing out in, in a negative way uh, in this new school that I was in with all these new people, um, the more I, I kind of in, embraced it. So I, I, I definitely, um, you know, I definitely feel that, that uh, uh, it, it helped. Um, you know, I, I would not have come out of my shell had it not been for, uh, for Miss Bad and, and for my mom, and then, then later on for my high school teacher, uh, Jim Miller, who, you know, further uh, helped me um, progress and, and feel more comfortable uh, in, my own, in my own skin, you know, with my own voice. So, um, and then as far as just, uh, you know, being able to talk to other people, I mean, I, I feel that, you know, being, being on stage uh, it, it initially was difficult for me uh, the singing part wasn't difficult, but it was the the talking in between <laughs> songs, um, where you where you're supposed to like look and feel normal and comfortable on stage. Sometimes that that was that part took a little while to get comfortable just talking to audiences um, and and uh, and feeling comfortable up up on on stage. I feel very comfortable now, but it wasn't it wasn't always the case. That took some time, but I think getting comfortable on stage definitely helped me just be comfortable, um, in life and in, in conversations just that happen every day, just being able to, to talk to the, a random stranger, um, anybody who kind of happens to come up, you just, it, you, you know, I, I can still, I feel, I feel like it, you know, it, um, I feel like I, I can just be myself with, with whoever, um, is, is around, if that makes any sense. So you talked about like kind of getting your start in music and I, I want to know, uh, what was like the, the process when you like started making your first album? Like what kind of drove you to do that and how did that kind of work? Um, that's a, that's a great question too. So, um, when I first, so, um, so when I got out of, I, okay, let me start from the beginning. So, when after high school, I went to college, I went to the Hart School of Music. Uh, I got my degree in music education. Um, I knew I still wanted to, you know, possibly pursue singing uh, professionally, but I didn't know exactly how. Um, and then I, um, I had a, I was in a band while I was a senior in, in, in college. We were kind of just doing shows around Connecticut, Massachusetts and New York. And uh, we happened to open for uh, a group called Soul Live. 
uh, one day, I think it was at Toads we were, we were playing. Um, and uh, I had to leave right after our set, and I couldn't even stay to, to watch them because I had student teaching the next morning. I had to be there like, like 6, I wake up at 6 a.m. So, or earlier. So, uh, so I left quickly, but um, I guess the, the, uh, the story has it um, that, that Eric Krasno, who was the, the guitarist, uh, who was the guitarist for Soul Live, uh, had uh, um, gotten my number from my keyboard player, and he gave it to a gentleman by the name of Derek Trucks. And he knew that Derek was looking for a lead singer, and I ended up, um, uh, after some conversations and after like a little um, audition, so to speak, that I did with them in, in New York, they asked me to be their lead singer. Um, this was basically two months after uh, graduation uh, uh, from, from Hart. And from then, I, you know, I've been, I've been singing ever since. Um, and I was, with, I was with them for uh, about two years, just under two years. And uh, during... My time with them, um, I was also working on some uh, some of my own music with some other producers uh, who ended up uh, getting me uh, in front of some other producers who ended up helping me get a lawyer uh, that basically walked me around and, and uh, helped me get, get a, a record deal. Um, we had ended up having this crazy bidding war between five different labels and, and I ended up choosing Capitol Records. And, um, that's, uh, that's how, that's how things, uh, started. I ended up leaving the Derek Trucks band and started working on my own solo project. Uh, mostly, you know, we did most of our recording, uh, was either in, um, Bronxville, New York, where the producers that, that helped me get signed had their studio, uh, Evan Rogers and Carl Sturkin. Um, and Kevin Cloud, who was the person that I initially uh, met, he was from Los Angeles. Um, he's the one who started it all. Um, but um, but yeah, so uh, we did some recording in Bronxville. We did some recording in Los Angeles uh, as well. Some in, in Nashville, too. Um, so either from the time, like, seventh grade, when you, like, started to realize, like, yeah, I like music from the time, like, you were on The Voice, whether in a band or solo, did you have any major setbacks or anything that, like, set you off track a little bit? Um, yeah, I mean, there's, uh, <laughs> in in the, the music industry that, you know, there's there's more setbacks usually than there are uh, success stories. Um, you know, there's, uh, you know, people on your, your team that, that that steal from you, um, there's, uh, there's a, folks that don't have your best interests, you know, at, at heart. Um, you know, there's, um, folks that, especially this, there's folks that will promise you the world. They promise you that this is going to happen and that, Hey, by this time next year, you're going to be headlining here or you're going to be doing this or you're going to be doing that. And, um, it's just not, you know, they, they may have good intentions, um, but they may also know uh, that what they're saying is not necessarily uh, set in stone, but it's something that sounds good to say and that it'll get you excited when they say it. So they'll just, you know, say it, um, you know, without care of, of whether it actually comes true or not. And when you're new in the business, you know, you think that, you know, like the rest of your life when people you know, say something that they mean it and they're, you know, they're going to follow through on it. Um, 
but unfortunately that's not that's not always uh, that's not always the case you know um you know after i was signed with capitol records uh you know we, we released a an album um and then we I released two albums and um you know they had promised me the world and said this was going to happen and all of this and all of that um but then it didn't happen i ended up getting you know uh dropped or I, you know, I kind of also asked to get out of, of, of the deal because I knew that they weren't really uh, behind it anymore. And what I didn't want to happen was, uh, you know, you know, it's great to be on a record label, but it's not great to be on a record label that doesn't want to do anything with you and that you're basically just being shelved and you can't go anywhere else because you're still, you know, contractually bound to a record label. So that is worse when, um, you know, when you're stuck somewhere. So I didn't want to be stuck somewhere. So I was able to get out of, uh, of that, of that contract, but that was definitely a setback. That's not the way I wanted it to go. It's not the way I envisioned it. That's not what people told me was going to happen. Um, but it happened and I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it was part of the story. It's part of the way things had to go in order for me to get to where I am now. So, um, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not mad at it. I wouldn't change it. I mean, there's definitely some things I I, I would change, um, but uh, a lot of it, I you know, I I wouldn't. Did having your setbacks that you had did it kind of give you like more courage to just keep going? Um, you know, sometimes sometimes yes, sometimes no. Sometimes you have a setback, and you think, well, that's that's the end. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I remember like for example, uh, after I lost my record deal. Um, I was trying, you know, we had five rec, five, five labels that were trying to get me to sign before I chose Capitol Records. And then I did these two albums with Capitol Records and they didn't work like we wanted them to. Um, I ended up getting out of that deal and then going back to those other labels and saying, Hey, um, I'm free now. Um, I'm ready to, <laughs> to do some things. And they were like, yeah, no, it's cool. We were, we're going to pass. Um, and then I went to see some different record labels, and they wanted to pass. And then I finally thought that uh, I was going to get signed by Blue Note, which was uh, the folks who had Nora Jones, and they had some some really up up and coming artists that that um I was really hoping to to kind of fit in with and be a part of uh, on that roster, on their roster. And and um, I did a big showcase for them in New York uh, in the. Uh, January of, of 2011 and um, I really thought they were going to sign me I met with them like three times and I, I got word a couple days after the showcase that they were going to pass and that setback I thought was like the dagger I was like that's okay my career is over um, I better start thinking about you know what, what else I'm going to do because you know I have a wife and, and two baby girls and I have to, I've got to make sure that I can provide for them. And right now things are getting a little tight. Um, I was riding the wave of the Capitol Records success uh, as far as I, you know, could possibly ride it. Um, but it was time to, you know, possibly look at doing something else. And um, that two weeks later is when I got the email about The Voice. Um, and, and that whole thing began so uh where one <laughs> one minute you think of you know the the dagger has been has been you know set and then two weeks later something else happens and 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 changes your 
your perspective and your outlook and, and the, the possibilities. So, uh, that's just, I mean, that's the music business in, in a nutshell, you know, <laughs> you go from feast to famine, uh, and, and right back again, um, you know, you never know what, uh, what's going to come sometimes, but you just, you know, for, for someone like myself, you just, you're happy to be part of the conversation. You're happy to be along, along for the ride. So you mentioned the voice, um, and kind of like after all those setbacks, how did it feel to kind of like, uh, get that sort of big break that kind of every artist is hoping for, I guess. Um, you know, I, uh, I felt, uh, you know, as it was happening, I didn't know how big it was going to be. You know, this was a, you know, this was season one. This was an, a brand new show. Nobody knew anything about it other than it had been done in Holland and it was a huge success there. And it beat the Dutch Idol and the Dutch X factor and by miles in, in the ratings. And, um, they were doing it in, in the U S and we were kind of the, the test subjects, you know, for this, this new show. Um, I, you know, I had known of other shows that had started and, um, you know, and didn't do very well. So, you know, we honestly had no idea uh, at first how, how it was going to be received. Um, but, um, you know, we recorded the first, parts of the show um you know a couple months before they aired on uh, on television and i remember once uh they started running commercials um they started running commercials uh on nbc like right in their prime time like right seven eight nine o'clock time slot and i remember we were actually in the studio recording one of the uh the songs that we were we had just performed on on the voice um, remember we were recording, um, parts of the season before, um, before it aired. Um, so, uh, we're recording, you know, like the third week of, of, of sessions while they're, they're, you know, airing the, the first episodes. And I remember getting out of the studio and turning my phone on, uh, or off of airplane mode and my phone like blowing up because everybody saw me on on TV, um, and they heard me on on TV in one of the first, um, one of the first commercials. So uh, it was, uh, um, yeah. That that's kind of where where it all where it all um, you know began on 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 the voice, and and we you know I, like I said we you know we didn't know what it was going to turn out to be, but that from the beginning it looked like they were putting a lot of effort, and a lot of money into it, and. And that could be a good show, but until it started airing, we didn't really know, you know, how it was going to be, you know, received by the the American public. And after the first episode, you know, everybody was really, really happy. Um, there was a lot of viewership; millions of, of folks had tuned in, millions of households. And um, I, I don't remember what it, what that first first episode was, but it was like uh, I don't know somewhere in the six eight million you know households tuned in, which uh, I think was phenomenal and it just uh it was it was up up from there um what was your support system like while being involved with the voice um so uh from uh from a show perspective we had we had handlers that that uh would kind of get us to where we needed to be um would help you know answer our, our questions and and um you know there was a lot of us kind of sequestered in this hotel that we weren't allowed to leave um, like literally, 
like they didn't they didn't want anybody to know that we were doing this show so um it was very secretive uh, no one but your family could know where you were and why you were in Los Angeles and all of that so um it was a very kind of secretive uh <laughs> situation but um um but yeah we you know we just um um I, gosh I forgot the first part of your question um Support system. Oh, the support system. Yes, <laughs> thank you. Sorry, yep. tangents. So, um, so they had folks that that would kind of get us from point A to point B, um, kind of get us uh, where we, you know, wherever we needed to be uh, on there. Um, and then once you got firmly on the show and you had a coach, um, we had Adam, um, who was my main coach, um, who I chose in, in the in the blind auditions. Um, you know, we also had uh, they had some singing coaches um, that. Could, would work with us uh, separately as well if we wanted to do some extra work on on our songs. We had some folks there that we could, you know, basically lean on and ask them some questions and and um, you know get their feedback on on certain things that we were um, singing or attempting to sing. Um, and then um, yeah, you know, we were able to. Um, my biggest support was my family. We were able to to fly my family out for a couple of the of the shows um they felt it was important to uh, you know for my backstory which is a big part of of these shows um it, you know they thought it would be important to have my family there and, and on camera um and you know they knew that whenever my family would show up i would bawl my eyes out and i would cry a lot so they liked seeing that because it was good for tv um so every time we would sit down and um, do like those those interviews uh, right before you know they show you going out to sing or whatever, they'd say so you know tell me how much you miss your kids or I just would cry you know my my eyes out so um, they were good they were good at, at pulling out my my emotions they knew they knew what to say <laughs> to push my to push my buttons but um, um but yeah you know they, I felt that you know we had a, a good amount of, of support on. Um, on the on the while we were on on the show um once once we left the show um you know once once i won um you know you kind of get handed off to the um the record label and um it, the, the process kind of starts over again because uh, you know again i'm i'm i was this the guinea pig so to speak for this uh this whole process and, um, you know, they, they had a, a system of the way they would usually do things for uh, with the way they would handle their artists. And they, you know, had different, you know, varying levels of success with, with the artists that they would that they would push. But this was um, different kind of coming from a show. And <clears throat> they had their opinions about the way way things should go. I definitely had some opinions as well because I had just come from. Um, you know, having a, a major record label, which I think definitely helped, um, you know, it just kind of gave me some insight uh, on how that whole world works. Um, so I wasn't kind of blind going in. Um, so I do wish that we had a little bit more support on the backside. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, I definitely felt supported during uh, during the show, um, being on there, even after after it was over, uh, the show has had me back uh, to perform and stuff several times, which uh, which I thought was was great and 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 very supportive of of their um, you know of their former winners of of their their former artists. 
um, not uh, did not feel as supported um, by the the record label. I think, you know, uh, they tried, you know, um, the best that they thought, um, you know, they they could or that things in, in, did what they thought they should do, um, and it, it didn't didn't work the way we wanted it to work. But you know, I'm I'm not, I can't complain. It still has has changed my life for the better. I still get to tour around the country and and around the world i get to sing for folks all over and and uh i get to live the dream that i that i wanted to live uh you know ever since i was a a, a, you know a seventh eighth grader so um i can't complain about it it's it is what it is the music business and and that's that's how it goes what was your favorite experience being on the voice oh gosh um there were lots of great experiences on The Voice. Uh, probably my f- one of my favorites. Um, God, there were so many. Uh, singing Man in the Mirror with Adam Levine was super cool. Um, that was a favorite moment. Um, he bought me a suit for that performance. <laughs> he bought me this crazy um, Yves Saint Laurent's uh, suit that that uh, I was like, I don't even know what this is. It was it was some crazy amazing cities he wanted us to kind of be matching or whatever so um so he bought me this uh this great suit and and uh, we sang the song together and it was uh it was awesome um the the blind audition definitely you know has a a, a space in in my heart because it was the first time <clears throat> being on the stage and getting to perform for folks i was definitely nervous there but um to be able to get the four chair turn um and and choose get to choose my coach uh that whole process was um was awesome and getting to see my wife and kids after was was uh super special um probably one of the probably the one that that takes takes the cake for me um was the last the very last episode um i got to sing uh i got to sing an iconic song with an iconic artist uh, I got to sing a song called Landslide with uh, Stevie Nicks from Fleetwood Mac. And that was like, I mean, you know, there are people that, that go their whole careers in, in music and, and don't get to do something like that. So so to be able to do that um, at the end of the show um, was so, so special. Even Adam <laughs> even Adam was like, I'm, I'm so mad. He's like, I set this up for you and I'm so jealous because you get to do it and I don't get to do it. Um, you know, so, and that's Adam Levine who's, you know, has been performing, you know, he, with his, with his band Maroon 5 for, you know, ages and just, they were on the, uh, in the top of the world and, and he was saying that. So I knew that it was a very special opportunity. I knew that I was very lucky, um, to get to do it. And, and, um, it was, uh, it was something that I, I will never, I'll never forget for sure. Uh, speaking of Adam Levine, how was it like after the voice, uh, collaborating with him on your on your album for that one it was awesome uh he was kind enough to be willing to uh to jump in and 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 perform uh, a song with me on on my record we did a song called uh, stand up man up uh that was produced by uh, a guy named martin treffy and and pharrell williams which uh uh you know i think we all know pharrell um and it was uh it was great. Adam was very supportive um, after The Voice. He was actually, you know, would kind of voice his frustration with 
um, with the record label um, and, and how, you know, little he felt they were they were doing to kind of help promote uh, their, uh, you know, the artists afterwards. Um, and he's kind of remained, you know, vocal about about um, his uh, displeasure with um, with how they handle things. But uh, he was very supportive himself. And, um, you know, for example, you know, a year after I won, he took me out on the road. We did some shows in the U.S. and then we did this South American tour. Uh, well, we started in in, um, in Mexico. We did three shows in Mexico and then we did um, uh, three shows in Brazil, um, in Chile, in, in Paraguay, Argentina, uh, and um, Peru, which uh, which was phenomenal. He knew that I spoke Spanish and and uh, I said, "Hey, man, let me you know I'll open those shows for you if you want." And he was like, "Let's go." So. So I did, and, and I'm telling you, those are the best shows of my life. They were just um, incredible. Uh, the crowds were absolutely uh, just, I mean, uh, full of music lovers and, and folks who just wanted to have a good time. And, um, and they loved, they loved uh, Maroon 5, and, and when I was going out on stage, I was like, oh, you know, these guys are going to be, the lights are going to go down, they're going to think Maroon 5's coming out, and then, and then they're going to see that it's just me, the opener, and, and I was kind of was kind of bummed about that, but they never let me feel that way. I felt like every time I walked out on stage, um, they like they made me feel like I was Justin Bieber or something. It was it was uh, it was phenomenal. Um, so and Adam helped make make all of that happen. So um, uh, very very grateful to uh, to him uh, for you know for helping you know however he could to to help you know push me and 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 get me get my name and get my music out there um were you able to keep in touch with any other contestants on the voice or anyone else involved in the voice have you been able to keep in touch with them um yes uh yes i have uh, there are still some folks that i mean you know thank goodness for social media um <laughs> we we keep uh, we keep in touch with uh, with the folks a lot um that way uh, i kind of can see what what everybody's up to and what you know, what folks are doing. Um, I still do uh, see some some contestants every now and then that that happen to kind of come through uh, through town. Um, I still keep in in touch with Adam from time to time. We haven't talked in a in a, in a little bit, um, but if I'm in in LA and and um, you know he's uh, he's around if if he's around for some golf, uh, <laughs> I'll re- I'll reach out. Uh, when he comes to uh, when he comes to Connecticut, which it's not been for a little while, but when he comes to Connecticut, I'll definitely go and and see see the show. And, and if he has time, we'll take him out to go to go play some golf as well. Uh, freak out the the folks at the country club when uh, <laughs> when Adam shows up. It gets it gets a little crazy, but we have uh, we have we have a good time. We try to keep it keep it under wraps as best as we can, but somehow everybody seems to find out about it but um but we have uh we we have a good time so i still i still keep in touch with uh with um with some some of the folks um you know here here and there so you mentioned golf is golf another one of your hobbies that you enjoy it is um i am an avid golfer um and i recommend it <laughs> i recommend it to all of my uh my musician friends uh that my to all of the the folks that are coming up that say you know they they really want to get into the music business i always tell them uh, all the things about music but then i tell them that they should also play golf 
because golf is is one of those things that um, brings a lot of folks together. Uh, and it gives you an opportunity to talk to folks for probably four, four and a half hours that you have with a, a person. And um, it's uh, it's an easy way to kind of get into a circle that you might not have been in before. If you get invited to play golf, you you need to go. And, and you need to also not be not make a fool of yourself at the same time. And you got to know the rules and all the things. So um, it's good to have a, a little knowledge of, of golf and I, and I will tell you this honestly um, uh, I, I mean because I play golf I do a lot of these you know celebrity golf tournaments and, and things like that those things end up turning into um, you know you being asked to go and and do these you know big private events for for different you know corporate entities and and, uh, and organizations and um, it's you know it's very lucrative to to do those types of uh of events so um a lot of my business you know i can look back and and say that came from doing a a golf tournament and that came from doing uh, a golf event and that came from doing something that has you know i met this person because i i we played golf so um i say that you know because it you know it's uh Golf has definitely impacted my life, and it has impacted my cre- career in in a in a profound way. Um, so I uh, I definitely am, am thankful that I started playing golf when I did. I wish I played earlier. Wish I started playing in high school. I, I did not, or even earlier than that. Uh, I didn't start playing until after college. But um, but it's uh, it's a part of my life now. Uh, my my middle daughter, who's thirteen, is is now playing golf, and we get to play golf together, which is super phenomenal. I get to caddy for her. She's going to start high school next year and I'm going to try to do some caddying for her if I, if I can in some different little events. Um, but yeah, golf has been a, a big part of my life for, for gosh, the last 20 years or so. So I'm, I'm very, uh, very grateful for, uh, for golf. Now, uh, staying on golf, uh, do you remember what like your best round was of golf kind of like where was it? I guess. Do I remember? Of course, <laughs> of course, I remember. Um, so my first, my best round ever. Um, uh, I I did I, I shot in in Los Angeles at a place called Woodley Lakes Golf Course in Van Nuys, California. Um, I do not remember the exact date, but it was probably um, let me see three three or four years after I started playing, and I shot a one under seventy one. Um, which, uh, anything under par is, uh, is amazing. And I, I, I've only done it one time, but, uh, yeah, one under, one under 71 was, uh, was my best and I've not been able to top that, but, uh, but I've had a lot of fun trying over, over the years. <laughs> what other hobbies do you enjoy? Um, so gosh, I, I, I like, um, uh, I got, I haven't in a while, we kind of stopped during, during COVID, but I'm a, a big, uh, racquetball fan. Uh, we play a lot of racquetball back, uh, back in the day. Like I said, I haven't played recently, but I'm, I'm hoping to get back into it. And, uh, and believe it or not, my biggest obsession right now, other than golf is, is billiards, is pool. Um, it, during the pandemic, um, I got a pool table at the house and, um, I absolutely love, I love to play. I play in a league and I play every Tuesday and we, <laughs> we have the best time. Our, our master's team, um, 
uh, made it to uh, to the World Championships in Vegas last year, and uh, we actually um, we were, got in, in in the money, which means that we were, you know, we won. We got into the fourth round and and um, and got a little bit of money. It wasn't it wasn't a lot, but it was uh, you know something to to take home, and um, and you know that's my next that's my biggest uh, obsession. If I'm if I'm not playing golf outside, I'm probably practicing playing some pool inside and and making music. Uh, you know, shooting some TikTok videos in the in the in the late in the late evenings. Um. How many instruments do you know how to play? Um, my main ones are, are guitar and piano. Um, those are the, the the main ones that I I focus on. Um, I play a little bit of percussion, but uh, guitar and piano are, are my the ones that I use to write write my songs and and uh, the ones that I I like perform you know recording of my my albums and stuff. So, uh, like speaking of writing your songs. Do you kind of start with like the the music first of the song, or do you try to write the lyrics first, like for writing? You know, it depends on the song. Um, you know, uh, sometimes a, a song kind of comes to you in in the form of of lyrics. You know, I could look outside and see something that you know will put like a, a phrase in in my head, um, and then it, so it'll start with with the the lyric. Um, and then sometimes it'll, I'll have my guitar in my hands and I'll just kind of be coming up with different chords and I come up with chords and I say, okay, what, what words would go well over these, over these chords? Sometimes in my favorite way, um, that it happens is when I think of, um, I think of lyrics and instantly have a melody to go with those lyrics. So as I'm thinking of them, I'm thinking what that melody might sound like, and then when, once I hear a melody, I'm also thinking of the chords that will, would go underneath. Um, that's my favorite when when they all kind of come together. Uh, it is, and it feels like like you didn't even have to work for it. It just was like there, you know. That's uh, that's my favorite. It doesn't always happen that way, but um, I I like when it when it happens that way. Um, what do you use for inspiration when you write your music? Um, you know, I, I write a lot about my family. I, I write a lot about things that I, that I see, you know, in the, in the world. Um, I write a lot about, um, you know, different experiences that, that folks go through. I write a lot about love. Um, you know, we all as humans experience love in, in one, one way or another. And, and it's something that, that really, um, moves us and, 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 uh, can alter our lives <laughs> for good or, or, you know, for better, or for worse. Um, so I write a lot about, um, about love and about lost love. Um, you know, even though I, you know, my, my wife and I have been, have been married a long time, you know, happily and, um, and all, and all of that. But sometimes I still write, I write breakup songs, uh, you know, all the time to where people are like, Hey, are you guys okay? Like, is everything cool? And I'm like, everything is great, but I still remember what it's like to get, you know, to get dumped or, or, um, to feel like this particular, you know, this situation is no longer right for, for me, you know, that doesn't mean that that's my current situation in my own life. It just means that I can still connect to that. I can still tap into that. 
Um, cause I know that there's a lot of people that are, that are going through that. Um, so I, I tend to, to write a, a lot about, um, about love and, and love going wrong. Um, you know, or someone doing someone else wrong, um, you know, things like that. And so, um, yeah, the inspiration kind of comes, you know, all, all over, but, uh, you know, family is definitely, uh, an, in, an inspiration. Uh, I write a lot about, about my experiences, you know, with my, my kids and, um, uh, with my wife, uh, but then also, you know, just write about other things that I feel other, any, anyone can relate to. Are you currently working on any new music right now? Um, I am. I am. I'm working on a couple new projects. Um, this is the 20th anniversary of my first album coming out ever. That first album that I did on Capitol Records um, came out in 2003, which is crazy to me. Um, actually, our first single was called Crazy, <laughs> which is also funny. Um, but... Um, so I'm I'm working on uh, I want to pull a, a a Taylor Swift in a way and and re-record that whole album um, and and do my own version of it. Um, you know that's one way. Uh, like Taylor, you know she doesn't get to own um, those masters uh, of her work. Uh, and as an artist, that's you know you want to be able to own your own your own work. But when you're first starting out, like you don't have you don't have that option. They don't give you that option. That's one of the things that you sign away when you, you know, when you, you know, sign a, a record deal that, you know, they're putting all this money into you. Uh, they get to own um, your, your masters. Uh, and when I say masters, I mean like the master recordings of, the, of those songs. Um, you know, uh, if somebody wanted to put one of those songs in a, in a movie, uh, you know, they, get to they own those masters so that's something that goes through the record label versus you know going through you you still get get paid something for it but it's not um it's not you know completely and entirely you know up to you um so yes i might might re-record that first record um i've also been talking about for a long time about we're doing a uh an acoustic covers record i'm a big fan of, of acoustic covers taking different songs uh, that might have been, you know, faster at one point and slowing them down and, 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 and recording them. Um, so uh, I've been a, um, a fan of those. Also, I'm working on recording uh, some of my own music that I've been writing as well. So I've got like three projects on the burner that I have to kind of decide which one I want to give the most weight to and, 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 and tackle, which I, <laughs> I, have to, I have to decide that quite soon actually so i'm glad that you asked <laughs> all right i'm gonna give you one more question and then we'll have to wrap up unfortunately but uh i wanted to ask you what was your favorite song you've written oh um favorite song that i've written um probably i'd have to say is a song called okay here's the truth um and uh it's a song that i i wrote um with a, a friend of mine tommy sims in nashville uh it's one of those uh it's one of those songs that that um uh, it's kind of like a, a country song in the sense that that it tells a story um from from beginning to end i i love all all types of music and and i i'm a i'm a fan of, of country music um i'm a fan of of of, of all music but uh, i'm also a fan of, of 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 country music and 
the the way that you know you're still allowed to tell stories in 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 country music and and I, I just I love that and uh, this song is one of those songs that that kind of tells a story from beginning to end. No, none of the choruses are the same; they are all different. They all kind of continue progressing the story um, until you get to the end. Um, so I can't. I don't want to tell you anything about it in case your listeners decide to go and listen to it. If you're going to listen to one song of mine, I, I would um, I would recommend that one to listen to it in a, in a quiet room uh, with some headphones on, maybe and. And just listen to the to the story of it because it's uh, it's one of it's one of my favorite songs that I've I've ever written. Um, and uh, um, I mean, so much so that I've had some uh, folks ask me to uh, to record it. I remember Darius Rucker uh, asked me. He heard me sing it. Uh, we sang it together. Uh, well, I sang it while we were performing together in uh, in an event. And um, he asked me after that event, he said, hey, man, I want to put that song on my record. Um, would that be OK? And I told him no, um, because I uh, it was so close to me. It was just a, a it was, I felt it was the best song that I'd ever written. And I didn't I didn't want to part with it. Um, it was during that time where, where I had lost my record deal. and I was trying to find another record deal and I was hoping that it would help me get my record deal. Um, so, uh, in hindsight, I should have given them the song, <laughs> um, but, um, but I did not, uh, at the time I, I, um, uh, but it's, it's a, it's a, I think it's a great song and, um, you know, if you, if your listeners happen to go and listen to it, um, find me on, on, on my socials and, and let me know what, what you think, but I, there's a couple of twists and turns in it that, um, I think, uh, you know, some people will, uh, would would like all right well before we go i just want to say thank you javier for joining us today my pleasure patrick was, thank you so much it was great having you all right uh i am patrick minerly katie fritz and alexis and this marks the end of today's ths music tech 2 podcast we'll see you next time goodbye everyone Take it, hand on the rise.